cell phones is unlike the game like it's omnipresent like there is no cut off the cell phone like the TV go off at night time the game gotta gotta go off at morning time but the cell phone is like it's a fixture and not only like in adult navigation and social spaces but not for kids too like it's a fixture and you know, for a generation like myself that grew up in a house where, like, we had uh, Encyclopedia Britannicas, like, everybody in the hood had a, 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 um, a set of Encyclopedia Britannicas or a dictionary or, like, had a set of them. And now we walk around with a computer in our pocket uh-huh. and very unmonitored with that computer in our pocket. Like, sometimes, like, sex... Elicited stuff just pops up, and the fact that kids always have this computer in their hand, always have this computer in their pocket, and the lack of monitoring it's more scarier than what we learned from Grand Theft Auto playing the game, or what we learned from playing 007 or the, the it impact. is because, um. <clears throat> My daughter, the reason why I took her phone uh, this time is because she, I caught her downstairs, and this is after the second time of cutting. Um, she had, I caught her downstairs, and she uh, she always gets caught. You know, mother's intuition, and they keep doing it. And uh, she fell asleep on the phone. Uh-huh. Well, I took her phone. She found the old phone she had that was broke, and it, you can barely even see on the phone, and she's 
still going through these things. And I found her with a second. She has an Instagram because she plays volleyball, a regular Instagram. And I didn't even know about that one. And uh, she had hidden another page. I don't even know how to do this crap. She hidden another page called Bad Bitches Nut. And she had a baby picture for the for the profile picture. And that was really disturbing to me because I'm like, you you got a name of a sexual name of Bad Bitches Nut and you have a baby picture of oh, there. That was her name. That was the profile name. Oh, okay. Of the hidden page that she had. The hidden Instagram. Yes. Okay. And it was called Bad Bitches Nut. And for her to have a sexually name and then a baby picture, it was really disturbing to me because I'm like, okay, that is inviting predators in because it's a baby picture up there. So you're not inviting regular people your age and you don't even, I don't even know what's in your mind to do this, you know? And that was scary. So... I just take the phone because, you know, I need her to have the phone at school and stuff, but I don't want her to be putting it out there and then somebody found out where she at and then come and mm-hmm. get her some kind mm-hmm. of way. A, a grown man mm-hmm. that is a uh, sexual predator yeah, and find her, you know, because there's so much of that going on. And, and so the, the only thing I know is to take the phone, but she still needs the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At school and stuff, because she has after school activities and things like that. But then I'm like, okay, well, how do I take the internet off when she has Wi Fi? Mm-hmm. To where she goes. And she can use Wi Fi. It's complicated. But that makes it work, too. Um, we I think that in our society, we, we come to like the uh, one, uh, one size fits all. Like, uh, this is why I can just give you a cell phone unmonitored. We tend to like that. Or I just take it and you don't deserve a cell phone. Like it's the all or nothing that, that we just engage in. But now stuff needs moderation. Like implementation of all things needs like uh, uh, wisdom, if you will. Like I can't give you, uh, when you when you learn how to drive and I give you your keys, I can't give you the car keys and an unlimited time to be out. Like I have to like, everything must come with some form of restriction, some form of discipline. Discipline is probably a better word. Yeah. But then does the discipline work when you take the phone and then you give the phone back? Because I took the phone when that happened. And then so recently I gave the phone back. And this just happened last night. I get the phone back and the Instagrams are gone. But she has found some kind of way to, uh, I had went on a, um, I just went through all the uh, apps she had on her phone. And I seen a video player app. I'm like, what is this app? So I went on there, and she had been going on, I don't know if she's going on somebody else's page or what, but it was videos from Instagram, twerk videos, dance videos of little girls dancing, well, her age or whatever, dancing and stuff, and and on Instagram and doing all this. And she's downloading these videos. Mm -hmm. And so I come to her this morning, I'm like, you know, you're doing the same thing, seeing like like you're doing the same thing. Oh, no, that was... Uh, from, you know, earlier, you know, when I was, you, you found the, the pages and the, I had been did that. I'm like, no, it's on the history. It's on, and it's the only thing on the history. It's not from when I found you with the pages. It's on the history, you know? And, and, and I had to take the phone again. So it's like, even if I take the phone and then I have to give her the phone back because it's a moderation thing, like you said, mm-hmm. and she's still doing it. Like, did you ask her why? 
she, you know, I asked her why she she said that she wasn't. She lied and said she wasn't, and she said that uh that was old, and she's sticking to that story. See, like this is why um, <clears throat> me and Cam just did a PD uh, earlier in the week, um, and I made the comment during the professional development that this is why I'm not a fan of strict behavioral interventions because a behavioral intervention would be me taking the phone. Behavioral interventions work. Um, however, uh, they majority work for little kids, like preschool, toddler, first grade, second grade, third, like they majority work for little kids because what you're trying to um, teach through a behavioral intervention generally is routine and structure. If you take the phone, and this is why I'm a fan of cognitive behavioral interventions. Because if you take the phone and it comes with some form of um, addressing the cognition, what Cam said, like uh, how does she feel about the videos? Like, because now we got to get into the concept of uh, twerking or sexuality or sex. It ain't enough for me to take the phone because at this age and your ability to think this is a punishment mm -hmm. that I have not explained. Like you can see I'm mad. You can see that uh, you're in trouble. Um, but I but I have not explained it to you in a way that you can appreciate it. This is the reason why whoopings don't really work. Mm -hmm. Because when you whoop me, I can see that you're mad. I can see that I've done something wrong, but I really don't get it. It didn't come with like a communicative piece. Like you didn't tell me how to how to address the way I'm thinking about this thing? You didn't you didn't tell me, um, or you didn't question my value system about the way I think. Like I tell Cam this a lot. Christians don't drink, um, not because a lack of liquor. Like they can be around a bunch of liquor, and they just don't drink because it's not a value that they have. You see what I'm saying? All kids not getting on uh, looking at certain videos because it's not a value that they have. It ain't to demonize her value system. It's to address it. Like, why do you have an affinity for certain things? Do you feel like this is healthy? Do you feel like this? Like, And again, not to say you wrong, you shouldn't be doing this because she's 13. She just got hurt. She don't really know a lot of stuff. Got her own trauma, got her own depression, got her own stuff she's been through, like trying to make sense of it. She needs that cognitive piece. Does that make sense? A little. Kind of. Yeah, because why does she need it? But, Explain what you mean by cognitive piece a little bit. Or cognition. So cognition is just a fancy way of saying thinking. Okay. Like and the way that she thinks about um, the phone utility, what it's good for, what it's used for, um, how she gets down on the phone. That's what we need to um, address. Like, that's the part that we need to um, kind of get into her form of thinking about. Like, why do you feel like this about the phone? Why is your relationship like this with the phone? And it's not hard to notice because, I mean, we live in America. It's an over-sexualized, like, country. Like, it's not hard to come to some of the conclusions that she's come to. But, again, she's a kid, just got here. All these things are sensational. She's coming over her own perception of things. And we kind of, as the adults, kind of have to guide her 
thinking through this world as we have to guide our own and have to have sometimes other people assist us in the way we think, not even behave, in the way we think. Yeah. Okay. I understand that. Yeah, because otherwise, then it is just punishment. Because um, clearly, I mean, even based on what you said, like there's something that's driving it. Also, um, I don't know how abnormal it is. Mm -hmm. I think it's a very normal thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think people aren't talking about it. I think that most parents, most parents who are listening, who at least have had one or two or whatever, however many kids, um, go through adolescence have had similar experiences. And it's crazy though because I have an older son mm -hmm. and she's 13 and he's 15 but he does not, it's like new because she's a girl and he doesn't do that like he's not sexually active, she she had broke her virginity at 12 um, he doesn't do any of these things so when I was going through with him, I uh, the adolescence going through with a boy is totally different. So I want to appreciate, I don't know that it's a boy it is that they are different people, right? Because um, this it could be, you have just the two. No, I have four. Four kids, okay. Any more girls? Yes, a two-year-old daughter. Okay. <laughs> Which, oh, Lord, when she's 13, who knows? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we will just adjust. It will be other stuff going on, right? But um, that... I don't even know, and I don't know, it, I could be completely off base, right? But he could be interested. Yeah. Um, at this time now, I feel like he is. Or at 10 or at 11. Um, one, he may not have been caught. Two, um, boys have sex later anyway. Like, um, boys have sex later, but um, it does not mean that he's not interested, right? Um, or that this is necessarily something specific to him. Okay. That it is your experience with her, and each child will be different. The next one will be different, right? Um, there is something that she needs. Yes, I, I feel that way, and I'm, I ask her this all the time. I said it is something that she needs, and I feel like that it is that dad her dad is in her life mm -hmm. but he doesn't know how to address issues he doesn't talk to her he doesn't what, what can i say he just starts spending time like one-on-one -on -one time with her and stuff and so it seems like he just doesn't know how to address i have the son with him too but it just seems like he doesn't know how to address when she's going through something and i it's all left on me right to try to figure it out and Sometimes I feel like, well, maybe if she talks to somebody else and she'll tell them, because, you know, a lot of things people tell me, like, well, she, she probably doesn't feel comfortable with you, but I try to act like that. I'm her friend, too. Like, okay, yeah, you know, after the first cutting, I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, we can hang out. I take her to dinner. I talk to her and things like that and try to be as, try to do it a little different. You know, I've, I've been stopped the whoopings because that, like you said, that don't work. Mm -hmm. And when they get to a certain age, it does not work. And you have to talk to them. I don't know if it necessarily works when they little either. From a from a behavioral standpoint, mm -hmm. it, it 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 does seem to be effective. Keyword seem. Mm -hmm. It yeah. does seem to be effective. At the time. At the time. Mm -mm. Yeah. And I wanna also say this. Cause I heard this before. Prison work for certain people. Mm -hmm. 
It don't. Right. It don't. The people who are better people after prison are better in spite of prison, not because. Sure. That's not what I meant. (laughs) What I meant was that people individually respond differently to different forms of punishment, of reinforcement, of boundaries. I agree. I think that if they respond in a way that is uh, advantageous, Mm -hmm. if you will, and they've been given a poor intervention. Um, I think it is in spite of the intervention. Sure. I don't think it is because, because like, most people that go to prison go back to prison. Yeah. Because that's how prison works. Most people who be getting whooped, we have terrible conflict resolution mm-hmm. because of our history with whoopings. Mm-hmm. Because I got beat because I said so when I'm outside. And people disagree with me because I said so. This is my conflict resolution. This is how I have been uh, trained, educated, exposed to resolving issues. Violently, physically. Those those people that get better, if you will, quote unquote, uh, due to whoopings. They would have already been okay. Like, they're not better because of the whoopings. Those are... Those are the people who, um, and I hate to say this, but yeah, those are the people who, like, uh, you see the college, uh, you see the uh, high school boy who's like six, seven, he poor, he ain't got nothing going, but you can see that he got a lot of talent in him, and so you kind of help him, but like Cam be telling me that kid would have made it anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, or the kid who responds learns to be better at being deceptive. That is that is what they do. <laughs> is that they better at what? No, that is what they do. Because again, going back to the prison analogy, when you go to prison, you're not in there talking about how do I become, uh, how do I change the way I think, how do I change my value system. What you're in there talking about with all the rest of the criminals who was caught for criminal uh, for criminal behavior, and because they have been treated like this in this institution, have now adopted the mind of criminality. What you and I are talking about is how can we do the same thing we were doing better so we don't end up here? Yeah, yeah. And don't get caught. Yeah. yeah. And this is what whoopings do too. It don't teach me not to do the bad stuff. It teach me how to perfect the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is what taking the phone. She needs her phone in school. Right? Um, and, and like what you said. Like but she, did we need a phone in school? When we were younger, we didn't have a phone and we came home okay. But nowadays, they need the phone. They need the phone for homework. They need the phone for, like, sometimes they class assignments require a phone. So then they have a phone. Yeah. I have to give her back the phone for her to do, you're right. I have to give her back the phone for her to do her classwork on the phone. Yeah. Because it ain't that she need the phone, she don't need the phone. Mm-hmm. It ain't neither one of those. It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Like, the application of the phone needs wisdom. Like, it needs a discipline with it. Like, uh, like we just can't give you a gun with bullets and say, well, we can't give you that. <laughs> but you yeah. get it. You get it. You yeah, get it. that is kind of done. But yeah, yeah, we I, that. I get what you're saying. Uh, she still needs the discipline. But what I'm trying to get up to is how do I get her to open up and tell the truth about the thing? I'm trying to, you know, I didn't switch my, from being so strict to trying to be her friend and then 
and then I have to go back to like I'm I ain't your friend, I'm still your mama. Yeah, type stuff. What does that mean to be a friend? Well, what what I what it meant to be a friend to me is just like not being so strict on her, not letting her do what she want to do, but like do what do what it takes to just like come home every day. Hey, talk to me and. You know, I go to school and eat lunch with you or, you know, just being there all the time like a friend, I, I guess. Not like a strict mother, like, because I know when I was younger, that's why I couldn't talk to my mom about certain things. I was scared. So taking kind of like that scared feeling away from her to where she can come and talk to me, that's what I consider. You try to open up the lines of communication. Mm-hmm. So I would argue that's not being a friend, that's being a parent. Like, like that is parenting. That encompasses parenting. Um, that's some black shit too. Like, yeah, I ain't your friend. <laughs> like, being able to talk to your mother, like that we are so black and white, and I meant black as in black people, but now I mean black and white is how we think. Um, that like, All or nothing. yeah, that like either I'm completely strict or I'm completely open, and that is there is a um, middle way. Yeah, there's always a middle way. Like, I I think that. And not even at 13. I think it starts at... Zero. Yeah. Like, um, let's let's sit down and have a conversation. Um, just about you. Deeper than, like... Or whatever the kid wants to talk about, right? Like, um, what's going on with you? That this is a normal pattern that, like, I can come and talk to my mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and that... Um, not when there's conflict. Because I think that that happens a lot too. Like so, then really, you're only open, allowing me the space to talk when something has happened, right? Mm-hmm. And that it's more proactive. That it's like, no, like you're always having a space to talk to me. I also think though that it is hard to talk to your parents. I don't give a shit what no parents say. I have met so many who be like, I always, I'm always up. You still ain't mama. it's still like uncomfortable to talk about certain things Uh, um, but I also think that like this is where a village is important Yeah, and I really do that I think that um, as much as I would love to believe that um, Karma my oldest talks to me about everything I know she doesn't you know Um, but there are cousins and aunts and even sometimes when I'm like I know she probably isn't going to be comfortable talking to me about this that there are other people who who will step in and reach out to her um, that um, she can be open with and she can communicate with I also try to find those people because I'm like you because that's what um, how it works even it was before my time everybody when in the 70s everybody had a village you you do something, get caught, the next door neighbor going to uh, punish you for your mama, and then your mama going to get on you. But yeah. we don't have that anymore. You know, I go, I have five brothers and sisters. One, when she, the first cutting, my sister helped me, and she took my daughter, you know, because I was like, okay, I'm in school. She's She works from home. But then she, um, it, was, it was just like she did something to where she dropped my daughter off at another a person's house and then therefore I knew nothing about it yeah. and and so I tried to find other people like friends or whatever like you know who can you talk to that's why I asked her like who do you think if because when people start telling me like oh she's not going to tell you everything you're her mother 
So I went to her and I was just like, you know, I know you're not going to be comfortable telling me everything, but who are you comfortable with talking to? Who are you comfortable? And she just says me, but I know you don't tell me everything. So I don't even think she knows. I don't know that the onus is on her though. I don't know that that's necessarily, um, and granted I'm asking, I'm saying a lot and answering a lot. You don't, you know, not necessarily appreciating the people that you have access to. Um, there is discernment in who we allow to have access to our kids, right? Mm -hmm. um, and not, you know, like that. I know that everybody ain't the people to talk to my child about certain exactly. stuff. Exactly. Right? Like, um, but the, there are people and that, like, that's my responsibility. Because I do think, I, I agree, it's problematic if, like, she's, there's stuff that's going on and, and they're dropping her off. Yeah. And you're not aware. That might not be the person you need to. Exactly. Like. So, you know, I go pull her up real quick, but then it's just like an issue because I go pull her up and they they seem like I'm wrong because that was the other sister. But she has boys at the house. We just found out about her sneaking guys in the house. Like, this is not where I want her to be. I told she was supposed to be at your house. You said she was going to watch her 24-7. That's why. She could have been at home mm -hmm. if that was the case. If you said you were going to watch her 24-7 because you work from home, I ex that's what I expect. You know, I don't feel like that I'm being so wrong. I'm the mother. But then they make you feel like you wrong and then you don't get a phone call or you don't have that support system for you anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's what makes it hard, too. That's why. You know, I asked her dad to step up and things like that, but, you know, like you said, I need a support system so I can go and tell her who she needs to talk to. I never let nobody around my kids. My mama had my kids. When I was dancing, I didn't want them to see that my mama had my kids. He didn't have them. He didn't take them. When I asked him to take them, I remember the day, like it was yesterday, I asked him to take them, because I didn't want him around me. And I asked him to take them, and I said, I'm going to take him to the daycare, can't you pick him up? He called CPS on me. Because I had left him. And he didn't take his kids, and he was trying to, he, in, in age, he was still trying to blame me. Because um, they was with my mama. You didn't take them, though. You didn't take them. How long were they with your mother? They was with my mother for. They was with my mother for six years. Yeah. And when you say with your mom. And then he, huh? When you say with your mom. My my mom was she took care of them. Okay, so they lived with her. Yes, they lived with her. And then she passed away two years. ago. You guys ever talk about that time she wasn't with you? The things that come up where I have talked about when they went to with me. About how I felt when they wasn't with me. About how I was struggling with my mom to get my kids back. Because I wanted them out of I feel like that when I had a chance to get them, then she didn't let me. That's when I started just thinking about that. When I was dancing, and I just was just like, okay, let me just dance. 
I feel like if I would have got my kids, I would have been the mother. I would be a mother. I'd do anything for them. I got out of school. She did good. I don't call my mother because she took them. <clears throat> and I tell them that, you know, because she didn't have to take them. No, that's your village. That's your village. A lot of a lot of people um, are made to feel bad for doing what you did. Yeah. Uh, especially women. Especially women. Like women are made to feel uh, specifically worse if they don't take on the burden of child rearing. Like. Don't get me wrong, it's beauty in it, it's all the positivity, all of that's cool. They smile, laugh, all of that's cool. But it's work. It is consistent work. And the reason I value the village is because it's a real thing. Like when I can't, they can. Like this don't make me less than, this don't make me like, and see like, part of the issue is, guilt mm-hmm. because I feel so guilty I can't forgive me mm-hmm. now now this is going to be tough the inability for me to forgive me increases the inability for me to hear their version of their experience because I'm so Because I still think that about me. Whatever they saying, verbally or non-verbally, directly or indirectly, is going to spew out. Whatever it is that they saying, I still can't appreciate because I haven't forgiven me yet. That's why we have to address the guilt first. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to be okay. I feel like that, I'm okay though. I don't with really the, understand. With the, with the fact Ooh, that. Who that sound like a black woman thing? <laughs> <laughs> As she's crying. Right. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> now you ain't okay. And, and, you and it's you. okay to not be okay. Yeah. I am saying that like you're not okay because we're not okay. Yeah. Like it's three people in the room and three people in here not okay. That's what we're saying. Like everybody not okay. Some of us have better coping mechanisms. We can mask it better. We have um, ways of engaging. You did what you had to do during that time. You got smart, attractive kids today. Seems like you made the better choice. One of the things, though, is that we act like this 37-year-old got here at 37 years old. Or that this 13-year-old or 12-year-old is just acting out of 12-year-old space. You dealing with this, with your stuff from your 20s, from your early 30s, but even deeper than that, right? So, like, how did you end up there? You end up here, right? Where, where does that pain come from? Where does that hurt come from? Where does that guilt come from? We see things as moments, as snapshots, and we're not appreciating the whole picture. Which is why I asked, did you, like, have you guys talked about 
when she was little with grandma. Also, another thing is, so grandma was the primary parental person in her life, right? She lost grandma. That's heavy. Even when you were, when you were present, like grandma was still there. I think that she has, there's a lot of layers. And I'm trying to get that. That's why I'm trying to get you. You can listen to my story and see how I really feel. Maybe it's just like well, other people talking to me and she just knows not me just saying it. I'm really crying out for her to, for us all to be better. Do you talk to her about your story? Yes. Okay. I do. But certain layers of my story, I had to wait till she gets certain ages. Sure. So male is like the ages that I talk to her. It just seems like we're talking about it. It's just sometimes it feels like it makes it worse. Or she's just more curious or something. What do you mean? Are the conversations consistent? Every day? Yeah. No. Uh-oh. No, it can't. I don't know. <sighs> when she get in trouble? that's fundamentally why kids won't talk to us mm-hmm. is because we only talk to them seriously when they in trouble well I, well the first cousin woke me up so i talked to her consistently about things now Let's but it's just like more on her. You keep saying that. Let's get into like explain that a little bit. What you keep, you keep bringing up the cutting, like yeah. Cutting. But like what happened? What happened was I was at work. Uh, I was working. I was working there, and I and she had oh we had found the stuff in the phone. That's when we found out she was having sex. She wasn't supposed to have the phone TV, nothing like that. Her brother found something. Her brother found the phone. And he knowing all this. He's older than her. He takes the phone. I guess they get into a back and forth talking bad, like verbally. He's probably bringing up bad things about her that she has done. And he heard me speak loudly because he's in the home. And uh, when I came home, she tried to hide it. So she had cut herself. Five, six slices. I came in a room. She had tore up the room. <laughs> After I seen the room, I was just like, please, just go take a bath. <laughs> like... Just go take a bath because you're sweaty and all this stuff on you. And then when she was, when she went to take a bath, I went in the restroom with her because I was going to talk to her. Like she was holding her arm like this, and I was like, "Let go of your arm because I'll be examining them." They go, what, "What's why are you holding your arm like that? What's going on? With your, arm? your arm is hurt. Is your arm hurt?" And then I turned her arm and I seen that, and it was bleeding. I just went. Is I just, I didn't know what to do. I was just like, oh my God. So I was screaming, like, in a panic. I and then I'm trying to figure out why. Because I've never seen that nobody cut themselves before and like that. And 
And he was like, no, I don't know how to help you. I don't know. I don't know. I got to. Because if I don't call her, they're going to think I'm cutting you. And she was like, she won't do it again. And I was like, no. They had already been on the way there while I'm talking to her. And then they were trying to keep me on the phone. And I'm screaming because I, I didn't call her dad at this point. And, and he talking about he just got out of work. <laughs> I just got out of work too. I didn't see my daughter bleeding, cutting herself. And you talking about you just got out the shower. You got to get in the shower. I didn't have time to do nothing. Work clothes still on. I have a white shelf jacket on with blood on it. And you say you got to get in the shower. I just start cussing blood out. Police is doing everything at this point. <laughs> they close the door. <laughs> Let me cut that. But she was in the other room. And she was in there and they was asking her questions and then well they said they had to take us because the ambulance wouldn't take us out hot at this point. And then and they started asking me questions and the police started asking me questions and I'm like, look, take some hospital. She called the children. Okay. So I'm gonna be okay, we gotta take it in the police car. Okay. We got a handcuff. Okay. Because she was harming herself. And we got the ambulance going to take her because they said, oh, it wasn't uh, oh, bad enough to take her. It wasn't in. severe. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then so they had to talk with our side to let her know that she wasn't in trouble and stuff. And I told her I love her. And she went to the hospital and I was like, she came in and the people talked to me because the CPS was involved and the police came and they took her statement and she was saying because she was getting bullied real bad okay I didn't go to the school about this when she was in the seventh grade because we come from the southwest side I'm just moving to the north side and there's different schools over there mm-hmm. and so I'm trying to go to the school they saying she trying to be this different person First, she was, you know, taking, you know, being a good kid in class. She talked different. And then they said she just started cussing in class, like just throwing stuff. And I guess people were messing with her or whatever. But the change happened when the little split happened around that time. And uh, she was just different. She was getting bullied. And I, I went to school and I, I, I had to be up there all the time. And then I... Cause she had to go through that because then I had to ch- take her out of this school. But and I don't know what she still don't talk to me about like why. You know, all I all I feel like what, what she tells me is that she felt like she was getting bullied. This is my me as a mother saying how I feel from the information I'm getting from her. She felt like she was being bullied, so she got bullied into being, you know, having sex with this boy. Just felt like she was gonna be with him, or he was gonna protect her, or whatever. You know, I was sixteen, so see, the difference is, we think like, oh, I wasn't doing this. That's how I think. Like, I wasn't doing this as I was sixteen, seventeen. This when I had started doing this. You know, when I lost my virginity, now it's like she's twelve. Like, it's, they're doing it before the time, but we did it too. So I know how somebody thinks, but I never got bullied before. I was always a fighter. I never got bullied. I don't. You were the bully. 
No, I'm <laughs> I, was, I was the bully. Now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my baby came. No, I really wasn't a bully. I'm, though, like, I'm just giving you <laughs> but she's always been feisty. <laughs> yes, I, yes, for real. Like, yeah. Oh, so you know, maybe. I don't go start. <laughs> I don't go to the like. Yeah, I want to fight you. But you know, I'm gonna get a handle. You feel what short I'm saying? Fuse. Yeah, I don't very, play very with short me. Fuse. You know, like she, a go she ain't like that. Men, women, very, very short. Fuse. When they do something to me. I'm very nice. Oh, and that's <laughs> back in the day, too. That's I, back I in the day. I love the caveat. Yeah, that's okay, back in the okay, day. Okay. Today, very different woman. Today, very yes. different woman. Longer fuse. Longer fuse. Longer fuse. <laughs> yes. So, she's not like that. And I don't know. I'm like, oh, you know, you want to be like, be like me. Be like how I was. I feel that. She's sweet. Yeah, very yeah. sweet. Very, <laughs> very sweet. sweet. Very, very sweet. Very different <laughs> than me. But it's sweet, too. It, 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 it shows up differently. Yeah, that's it. That's it. She's a good, she's, she's too nice. Mm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was too nice. One of our professors did tell me this. Um, and obviously I uh, hold it of value because I still remember it. Um, the people who care the most in the world have it the hardest. Mm -hmm. And I just believe that. That, it, that is not to good and bad or right and wrong their care. It is just to say the fact that some people care a lot. And because they care a lot, they have it the hardest. Yeah. You are so right. For real, because I always, you know, I have that feeling. Because at first I tried to be like, no, you need to be hard. You know what I'm saying? But then, like, God gave me a feeling like I can't change because God made her this way, you know? And I can't change the fact that she's a nice person and she likes to, that's who she is. I'm not going to let these people change her, though. You feel what I'm saying? I don't want her to be, like, changing because she felt like she was drove into sex or, you know, now she's she's in too deep now. You know, you didn't got the feeling. You know, like, it's just, I, I, want, I want her to be that, what she is, mm -hmm. and let it come out and not be nobody else for anybody, you know? And, uh, and she is talented. She wants to make you happy. Yes. Yeah, she wants to make me happy. And then I feel like, too, because it was the second time, because I feel like she she only wants to talk to me. So at that second time she cut herself, she, she was out uh, for like a month and a half, two months. Two months. The behavior center I had put oh, her in. Oh, okay, okay, okay. She, was out, she had to go there. She was there uh, for a week. Uh, she time. had to, when she left the hospital. She had to go there. Okay. Cause they, you know, the police came. They took a, you know, they took her story too about the boy and me hearing her story. Them tell her that's why I feel like, you know, because she always brings up the bully, and I feel like she just got pressure. Like, oh yeah, everybody else doing. Cause all them little kids over there, they, they mama don't be around, don't watch them, don't do nothing. You feel what I'm saying? I'm gonna be a protective mom, and I'm gonna. I feel that, not so protective, but I feel like I have that right because I'm there for them. You know, I give my all. You know, I give my all to them because, you know, I want them to be successful in life. And it's just like, oh, it's not enough. What do you mean? It's not enough for her or, you know, it's not enough. Like, because I feel like. Because they start telling me that, you know, self-harm, 
she's doing it for the pain and then and I'm telling her to talk to me and and showing her and I don't know how much more I can show her, you know. I'm doing everything that I I wasn't even taught. Sure. My mama didn't hug me or say, Oh, I love you every day. And I make sure I do that. I I even get them up in the mirror and I tell them to who they are mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. mirror. You're successful. You're a good person. Just tell me what is going on with you. Mm -hmm. Fully. A real live conversation. Fully. Y'all laughing like it's impossible. No. No. Oh, I'm not saying it's impossible. I think it's a process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think as parents, we want our kids to be okay. It bothers us when our kids aren't okay. We want to fix it immediately. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's how it works. I think that, she, like you said, she's 13. I also think the junior high is hard. <laughs> it's like The hardest. I've only, really? I've only yes. been through it once. And I will say that um, junior hardest. high was the most difficult time let, for me, parents. Let me, let me. <laughs> What, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? Human development. Yes, there is a shift. Uh, what stage, though? That's like what I'm asking you. Between middle school and high school, yeah, there's a shift. In, uh, are those different stages? In cognition, it is. Okay, that's what I'm asking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you, 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 you have the ability to like. Uh, Think more abstractly. Mm -hmm. um, still not as um, your executive functioning is still not that of a 26, 27, 28 right. year old. Um, but yeah, it, it has improved. But it is more developed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was more I developed. I mean, even if we think of like our frontal lobe mm -hmm. and like that, we know that even people 18, 19 still, you know, but that. 13 or 12 to 16, 15. It's a big difference. No, it is. It is. And really, because this is, I, I think this a lot, you know, cognition is what cognition is. But the, the socialization is what's probably the most essential. Mm -hmm. Like, how you grew up, what you grew up around, the influences, values, customs of a culture and society. Like, the way we are socialized is probably more telling than any other factor that I can think of. Like, like when Cam said earlier, um, that this, I'm sure that this is probably not an isolated incident. You probably just a mom that know that your daughter is on the phone doing it. Like, but I'm almost sure that this is happening in a couple million homes. Mm -hmm. People probably just don't know. Yep. Like, even, and see, this is the beauty of child culture, even the parents that monitor, you know what I'm saying? This is not to say that uh, parents is not observing and they're not overseeing and they're not good parents because they don't know. This is not to say that. Like, mm -hmm. even parents that are monitoring, they got security passwords and they got all the stuff that they try to do whatever, know 
you're not going to be better than your kid with the phone. Okay. No, get over it. Yeah, because you only talk about Instagram. What's her Snapchat look like? Exactly. <laughs> I don't even know about Snapchat. You know, I, that's why I go through the email because email, I still know the email. Email will show you if you have a Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Email will show you whatever you have. Mm-hmm. That because you know you're gonna have to. They go through that. Let me let me. I'm gonna see. I had one story. Now I got two. Mm-hmm. So because I don't want you to believe in that. <laughs> a, a mom came to the school one day and said, um, "Y'all keep telling me that she on the phone and." I got it uh, hooked up to my email that every time she get on the phone, it email me. Even if she turn it on, it email me. Mm-hmm. She not on that phone. Why do y'all keep emailing me? Mom come up. Mom show everybody the email. See, I ain't got nothing. We take mom to the room. Mom observe the little girl in class on the phone. Because the little girl done found a way to shut it off on her end and make it still make it still look like her mom linked in on her other end. From another phone. You see what I'm saying? Like From somebody else. You will not be better than them with the cell phone. Yeah. It is their thing. Okay. It's their not, culture. You will not beat they, them. They were born in it. It's the, it's the same way when I was little because the phone that I grew up around is very different from the phone that my mama grew up around. Mm-hmm. When my mama said, get off the phone, I would tell my people, <laughs> get I'd be like, Shh, hey, I'm going to call y'all right back. Yeah. Because I know what to do on this end. Even if my mama got the phone on the other end, I know when it's breathing different. I know uh-huh. somebody picked up. Yes. I had to tell my mama about Star 6-7. Like, these are developments with my phone culture that she don't know about because yes. of like, the way she grew up. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Theirs is the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. The main thing is the fact that child culture fundamentally is an outlook that children have that's us versus them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, we lie to adults, not for the sake of lying to adults, but it's a society between us. This is, this is why you get turned like teacher's pet, mama's boy. Because they try to identify the one who is juxtaposed to this child culture, the one who's outside of this child culture. You would take their side. It's us versus them. You trip me. I can't believe you. Yeah. And let me tell you something else. Oh, Jordan. This is why. Um, it's one of the reasons I be saying I'm 33. Because I've realized this. I've aged out of child culture. Child, you damn aged out. Mm-mm. Children used to look at me like as closer to them. They don't anymore. Okay, <laughs> you're, the, you're the one not to. They look at me like a real adult, like a grown-up. An old person. Yeah, you're not, you're not homeboy no more. You, let me hear one more old joke. You had two. <laughs> that offends you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that is not old. Well, Listen, do you, when old, I want to be 30, not, do you remember being... Be 17 and what you thought of 30 year olds? I was a dancer, 18. I'm, I'm not a good piss. <laughs> I'm not a good Because I was thinking 30 year olds. Okay. I said 17. They got the bad 17. <laughs> yeah, gotta go look. 12. Let's say. That, I ain't even talk about where they old. Seven. Where okay. they old? That, 
Sweet. Y'all are out of line. <laughs> All I'm saying is, were they old? Were they old? Yes. 30-year-olds. Yeah, they was old. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> like, they were old. Them was mature men. Yeah, mature men. Not old. <laughs> they was right. Not they like was, old men. No, we not old, old men, men. But they were they mature. Was, yeah, that's the good word for it. They was mature men. They yeah. wasn't kids. They wasn't 18-year-old boys. Because all 30-year-olds didn't look like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. They, they, uh, they, they was old. They was old, but they was nice. That ain't what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is, you looked at a 30 year old very different than you looked at even at 17 or 20 year old. Yeah. Point I'm saying is, you old. Yeah. What's the point you're saying? What's the point? What no, saying? no, don't do that. Don't do that. No, 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 no. For the culture. What's the point you're saying? They observe me differently today mm-hmm. than they did. And not. Because I'm sure chronologically necessarily, but because they see in me, mm-hmm. like in the adult, yeah, like where I've aged out of it. How you feel about that? Because it sounds like you got some feelings. It's tough. I ain't gonna lie. It's tough. Because they like really adult me now. Like I'll be going in the classrooms, they be quiet. No, I really think that it's because of, like you said, the demeanor that you have. Like, because, you know, even, you know, from when I've known you, your demeanor, it's like, yeah, you're grown now. Like, you're just like, you not how you used to be. You feel what I'm saying? You remember him when he was part of pop child culture. Yeah, I remember his yeah. <laughs> That he's, he, he's different. He's no longer a child culture. Oh, that- what? <laughs> what are you going I can't believe that I had told my son for the first time with David. Man, you supposed to have done that with okay, you. I was, like, I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Because mm-hmm. I always wanted to deeply tell my story with, you know, about me dancing and, you know, how I changed my life forever and stuff like that, but I just never think I would discuss it on your podcast. Mm-hmm. But it's, it, it's need to be told because I know. It's a lot of women going through. And it helps to hear somebody else, you know, talk about it. So we're going through it with our teenagers, you know? And, and and when you hear it and somebody talking about it from their soul and it's going to be expressed from their heart and their soul, other people are going to feel that. Yeah, that's true. And it helps. And that's all I want to do. Well, tell, tell us more then about your story. Jobs, you know, she worked two or three jobs to take care of us. So, you know, our job, like, like 
you know, she'll be there for a long time, but like waitresses and things like that. So she never was like home. So my older sister, she kind of raised us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think after a while, like when I was in middle school, and then she sent me to stay with my um, aunt. You started having problems in middle school? Yeah, middle school started. What your problems look like in middle school? My problems look like in middle school that I was just, I don't think I was skipping school. She said I was acting enough because I guess I was talking to boys on the phone. I really wasn't doing that. We had Astroworld at the time. And so we would go to Astroworld. I wasn't having sex. We would go to Astroworld and then like my mom would drop us off. And, you know, I had a boyfriend and I would meet up there and we kiss. And ride rides together. That's, you know, all that we did. And, you know, I used to be talking to boys on the phone, but I guess she felt like I was coming back at her, um, I guess, when she was trying to discipline me. And so she just felt like, I don't know, I was really nervous that I was really having sex. I didn't break my virginity since I was 16, but the whole time she always said I was having sex. She always said I was having sex, but I was. And she said I was wild and out and Everybody would think you were pregnant at 16. But I wasn't. I was still in the at 16. That's why I try to tell her my story about when I was younger. And so my mom would um, take, my mom, she she took me back. I don't know. I don't know. She felt like my auntie was getting close to me or I was getting close to my auntie or whatever. She took me back. And in ninth grade, I went to school over there where I went to Hastings. And then uh, I was acting up in ninth grade. In eighth grade, I had. In um in eighth grade I had a boyfriend, and then when I got taken away from AMS or whatever, when I went back to high school, I seen him again. So we started dating. We didn't do anything though. We I was too scared. Like I wasn't doing nothing. And then uh, she tried to take me to the doctor once, and then I was like screaming in the room we was in, and the lady was like, and I didn't know till now to Ti. That's how she knew I wasn't having sex. But the lady was like, no, I can't do a pap smear on her. She's not having sex. And I told my mom that I was not having sex, and she still took me. But the lady never performed a pap smear on me because she told me that um, she told my mom that I wasn't having sex. And I was so relieved because my mom didn't believe me. And so, and that's why I tried to. I, 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 I have to interject. She got to say this about T.I. Yeah. That's bullshit. The hymen shit is bullshit. Okay, so th- w- why did they say that? Because it's some shit we believe. I know about it. Well, make it make sense, doctor. <laughs> I'm make like, it make sense. How did she know I wasn't because I was tight? Or how did she know that I was not having sex? How do they know if a person is not having sex? So I don't know what was going on in that room. But let me tell you this. If I have a young girl sitting there screaming and uncomfortable, I'm not going to do it. As a doctor, like I'm not going to perform a pap smear. Like it sounds like you weren't okay in that. Right? She doesn't know you weren't having sex. Um, I don't know why she didn't do it. Right? Was your mama in the room the whole time? Mm-mm. Okay. Um, and it might have been, be, I, I don't know, because of the conversation. You know what I'm saying? But, like, if you were that, it sounds like it was traumatizing. Um, that it probably wasn't the right time. Right? But the hymen shit is bullshit. Right? Like, there are variations in hymens. It's not, it, it's all foolishness, the TI stuff. 
Make it make sense. <laughs> like you explain it. Cause I'm for you want me to say I'm with Ti, so you can explain why you not with him. No, <laughs> you don't have to do that. Okay. Um, because it's like a thin tissue, right? So if you use tampons, like there are lots of different reasons to erupt your hymen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if like it's not a way to prove if you're sexually active. Um, if you use uh, tampons, um, that we all just have different hymens. That some people are born without them. That some people are born with some that are too thick and have to be surgically removed. Um, but it is not. Um, it does not indicate sexual activity, right? Problematic things with the whole TI thing. But that particular thing is I mean thing. now look, we ain't gonna be coming for the shit about my She could be sucking dick. What does that mean? Exactly. Like that's she, still that's, sexual she, activity, right? Yeah, she I feel like that ain't no sex. I feel. Yep. But you know when you have an anal sex the hold is kind of I'm just saying. Okay. I'm not gonna come for Ti right now. I, I sh- no fucking. I'm yeah. gonna come for Ti. <laughs> All right. Outside no. of the inaccurate medical information, right? Um, I also think that it is problematic for a father or a mother to um, police their child's sexuality like that, right? Why? Because they're young. And you don't want... Okay, if they get pregnant at 12, then you got to take care of the baby. You know that T.I.'s child is grown. Yeah, I'm saying... (laughs) But I did say it was an inappropriate age where you stopped at it. You know, like, okay, like, I know I lost my virginity at 16. Okay, so I'm not going to fault my child if... Okay, use protection... If she's 16 and want to have sex, that's when I lost my virginity, even though I, you know, you just want to deal with it. Okay, it's a time and place for that. But, like, my cousin, she got pregnant at 12, and my granddad hit this for me. They made her have an abortion at 12. Let me ask you a question. Is your daughter on birth control? No. Okay. I think that's a bigger issue. I was with her on there because I, I don't know. I was up and down about that. I can't tell you how to parent your child. <laughs> But I think that it is very important. So this is how I think that girls should be going to their doctor, right? To have comprehensive understanding of their bodies, right? Um, that is not a policing, but it is a um, but an empowerment of who they are, right? Right. So how it don't work is it don't work. Hold on, I gotta go talk to my mama about this before we can have sex, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how it works is they have sex. And we say stuff like, don't you make sure you're using condoms when we ain't using condoms. That's the other thing I think that we do. Right? Like, like that when we appreciate how it just don't work like that. Right? But we want them to make decisions that most adults aren't even making for themselves. Right? Um, <clears throat> like, how many dudes might use a condom the first time they had sex with a grown. I mean grown-ass men, right? But the second time you're straighter, you look cool. Um, so even as adults, we're not, we're not 
doing the things that we that we value, but we want kids to do the things that even we're not doing for ourselves, right? So for me, it is an empowerment of girls to have autonomy over their own bodies, right? Like, so birth control, one, and this ain't our mama's birth control, right? Like, so we're not even talking about pills. There are so many other options. And um, I think to prepare yourself, you've already had sex, right? This would just be my approach. Now I don't even know if the approach would be you've had sex. It is, you probably gonna have sex soon because I'm appreciating child culture. Right, like, I ain't saying that. <laughs> like I'm appreciating what you're telling me, but I also know what it's like to be 15. She ain't 15. 13. Yeah. 14. I'm just saying, this is your body. You need to be making different decisions about your body, and I don't have all the information, so I need to take you into a space where you can be better educated about your body. Right. So. It's not just like use condoms, that it's like, no, we, we've already prevented something. Now, I'm not saying because you haven't sex, but because you might have sex. So that in the future, when you ain't there, they can still make those same type of decisions, right? So even if it ain't for them at the time, at least they've had the education. At least they know what their options are. We're being proactive. We're not being reactive, right? Um, but no, I feel that. We just got options. <laughs> so, in lots of ways. Nice to know. Thank you so much. In lots of ways to prevent Good pregnancy other than use condoms if you haven't said. That's been failing yeah, us. <laughs> like, that ain't been working. Like, we, we, have a, we have a poor track record of that, right? And again, I think important to empower um, girls to have control of their own body. That it, it don't mean you fucking. It don't mean you. Uh, but let's say you are. I think that even that, that the way that we look about that, the way that we view that, like um, just the stigma that's a place that's placed onto that. When having sex is a very, it is fucking a human behavior. No. Sexuality is real throughout the course of a lifetime. It's only appropriate at a certain age because that's what we say it is. Because that is a cultural value that we place on it. Today. Yeah. When too long ago, we felt differently. It's still girls that get married at 12 and 13. Like when you have a period, that means you're a woman. Like our culture just says, mm -hmm. and there are people who might be like 16, young as fuck. Like, how dare you have sex before you're married and shame you for that? Like, mm -hmm. That's the big shame right there. Is that part of your culture? When everybody's trying to get married, they get a divorce. Yeah. Because they try to prove something. Oh, I don't want to be shamed because I'm not married. Shit, the biggest hoes when I was in school still ain't got kids. <laughs> and they probably won't. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
That's what I'm saying. Like, I would delete that. No, out. but for real, like when you a hoe, you have to use protection. Like you have to use protection. You just skilled to use protection. It's just a, just a common fact that you're gonna use condoms because you out here hoeing. You are sleeping with different men. Why don't you? And if you're if you're not using protection, you a stupid hoe. You being judgmental. No, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just saying. Well, I, I'm somebody with a lot. I'm not saying like with somebody that you're with or whatever. Just with just every different man when you're getting money. Mm. You know. Why oh yeah, because you was telling us. You don't know why. But we. I'm still listening to y'all story. <laughs> you you said T.I. And then it fucking caught me off. Like, I had to talk about it. Oh, my God. So, your mama thought you was fucking and you wasn't. I wasn't. My no, dad. I wasn't. So, fast forward school and high school. I got back with the boy that, you know, I was in A-League with. At 16. He met my mom and everything. Like, my mom just, like, put him off because, you know, at this time, he was, like, selling good dope. And she, he was giving her money. All about the money, but she—I I never looked at my mama's own. I never looked at my mama's own, but I feel like she taught me the whole mentality or something because she always said, "Oh, you know, always make sure you're getting something out of me." And she was a waitress, though. Like she never showed, you know, or I never seen. I went to my home girl house. I guess her mom, she, he had a dude, she had a dude, and I guess, you know, she felt like the dude was looking at me or liking me. I don't know. But, Your home girl's mom? Yeah, the one I went to go move with. And so I had to leave. And then when I left, She got the best of me. Like she literally, she beat me up, kicked me out, and kept all my stuff. I know uh, where to go, so I just went. Back. So, yeah. 
Yeah, that's why I was going to look over there. Because I know she didn't want me to be there. Mm-hmm. But she said, okay, you're going to finish school, so you're going to go to the homeschool. So you're going to do the homeschool thing. Uh, after then, I just knew that, you know, she, she was taking out my checks. Like, I had a little job at Asheville. She was taking out my checks. And so I just feel like, look, I just want to do this on my own. Like, I think I can do it on my own. You were 17 or 18? 17. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. That's my time to take it back. That's my final goal and everything. That's my time to take it The pills coming back. I was watching the movie every day. And my sister came in, my older sister. She knew. My mama didn't even know because she was always working. And then uh, she came in and she was like, I'm thinking about this. And she, I'm like, no, 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 no. She's like, oh, you watch that movie every day. So I met this dude. And, you know, we talked. He, you know, I was 17, so he was like, I was like, kind of high knees on boys. I don't want to at this point. Let me pick up my things up and stuff. So, you know, he was boyfriend and girlfriend at the 17 when I think. You feel what I'm saying? Well, all along, I would just use him to, I, you know, I know my goal. You feel what I'm saying? <laughs> I know I need somebody to probably, you know, have my back and then you know then I go in so on my 18th birthday he was serious <laughs> I was serious I already knew he was everything he was scores and uh I was just I was just went up there and he asked me what I need because at this point back in the day you needed a license mm-hmm to you have to go down to the HPD office and you get a license and you have to you have that's how you work mm-hmm. and so he told me everything I needed to do so I went and got my license and did that the dude bought me clothes and everything and I was wait like a stripping license or a, a stripping oh license. that's a real thing yeah it was a real thing it ain't a real thing no more huh interesting yeah okay. so yeah you had to go down to the HPD office I went, in, I went to jail in there trying to renew my stuff. I didn't even know I had warrants or anything. That was like when I was in the game. <laughs> I ain't know nothing. I'm like, what you Ooh, think? That's I was, that nerve. I was dog. like, do you think I would come down here if I knew I had warrants? Man, I'd have never showed up. <laughs> I'd have mailed this in. They scene. got me. They took the pictures and everything. So, yeah, I went and did what I had to do. He bought the clothes and everything. So, I got on stage, I was scared. I didn't know it was butt naked. I didn't know you had to like take off all your clothes. And then he told me I had to get on stage. I was like, I was nervous. I was so nervous. It was guys. They when I came out there, I thought the girls was making fun of me. But when I went out there, the guys liked me. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, do they know? Like, you know, like I said so much crazy stuff, like, oh, she just said 18. Fresh off the side, like, and, and, you know, you gotta like take up all your clothes and bust it over, like, like what? No, oh, I can't even do it. I can't even do it. Like, I'm scared. So I take out everything on my g-string. He told me I had to. You know, the first time, my first time, like these girls gotta do nothing. Like my first time, I was dance butt naked. They dance butt naked. They didn't even know. And after that, I went out. I'm just curious if you can remember emotionally what you were going through at that time. I don't want to be on the streets. Like, I never wanted to be on the streets. So, 
whether somebody just like grab me up on the streets or you know Did you know other strippers prior to your the players club was your only relationship to the strip culture? Only. I didn't know nobody. Nobody. I just went in head first. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, damn, I'm just, I just went all in. It's crazy. I just, I don't know. I just went back to that. So remember when I went moved back to my mama, and I had already went through that. I was just like, when she took me back in, I was just like, I'm just gonna go and sit down with her because she didn't care about me at the time. She didn't know where I was. Like she didn't. How long did you live with your mom after your 18th birthday? Oh no, I moved out. I left. At 18? Oh, so you didn't go back after mm-hmm. that? Okay. I stayed with him and his mom. They had a, uh, he had a big house in McGregor. Like, um, over there by the bayou. His mama house, though. This I think is he the was like 20 something. No, he was oh, on the strip club. I just, yeah. And after that, he was letting me keep my own bread. I would give him some money. But then after that, I just, like, stacked my paper. Because I knew I couldn't do that forever. Because after that, I'm going to make it too much money. It was a rush. Mm-hmm. I mean, my first year for that year was in the strip club. I didn't have no life. That was that was my life. But then that's when I met him and then I danced a little bit after that, but you know, he was you know, he was a me. And then trying to, you know, he could he wanted to take care of me, he he didn't want me to dance. But then after a while, I was just like, no, I can't, I, I, I can't live, like, that kind of life where I want to do, I have dreams, you know, I have goals, I am somebody, I'm a person, like, even when I was, I didn't want to feel like I wanted to go back dancing, but even when I was dancing, I was somebody, you know what I'm saying, people knew me, you know, this those type of stuff, like, and you ain't making me feel like that, like, I can't do what I need to do for myself. So I started doing um, um, my um, my child and my mom. That's my friend. She always looks like that. And so she just just when her business and stuff. Probably she had a uh, she had a story in her mom. He I had did some fashion shows um, with constantly with my um, baby doll on my business and fashion shows over. She. You know, at that time, she was trying to put me on, and she had her little business. She was trying to, you know, she was trying to put me on. That's my friend. So, I guess he didn't like that. And then, so after that, you know, I'm going out or whatever. I come back home. You know, at this point, I'm loaded. 
jumped. And he had sex with me in my sleep, apparently. Like he put me in there. Like on purpose. And it, it, to this day, we still, I still tell him about that. Like, because I know how I woke up and I know how I came in there. You feel what I'm saying? I know I was drunk, but I made it there. So I wasn't that drunk. I made it to the house and I fell and I, I know what I did, you know? And then he, his excuse was, oh, you was throwing it back. I was asleep. I don't know what you was doing. But I feel like he just got jealous of the fact that what was going on in my life at the time. And I really, I don't regret my child. My daughter, I love her. You know? Mm-hmm. But I feel like he did stop what, what was going on in my life. Because I wasn't going to get an abortion. And I was pregnant. I can't do it. Because we went together together when we was in the same house. Mm-hmm. So... So you guys were not having sex at the time? No. We wouldn't have sex. Well, we had our son, though. You mm-hmm. know, so mm-hmm. we was just, I was on my own thing, and, you know, you know, we was in the house for the son. Because he didn't want me at my dude house. He didn't want me over there, so, you know, I would be over there. Oh, you were still with that dude? Okay. Yeah, I was with another dude. Yeah. But he didn't want me with that dude living over there, so I would be over there. With him, with the baby. Okay. So we wasn't having sex. But that night, you know, I was drunk and he, he took advantage of it. And I and I when we talk about it today, he that's his excuse. So you I know that he's trying to make me feel like I'm crazy because I was drunk, but I know what happens. Like I know well, even when you're drunk, you know when you wake up, you know what you see around you. I know I do. You know, so don't try to play me. It was a sexual assault. Yeah, and I didn't find it out until afterwards. After I left him, I found out I was getting that. I was, that's what was happening. But in the sense of, like, there was not consent. Yeah. You were taking advantage of. Right. Yeah. It happened. It happened often, too, but I didn't find it out until after I uh, left him. I just thought it was something that was. Supposed to happen because you know I'm with him, and uh, but that one I, I didn't care about the other ones, but that one that was the one that really he, it, I I don't want to my daughter, but that was the one that really I just stick to me and I know I feel the right way about that. You ever use that term rape when you relate to that story? Let's not minimize rape mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think it's a way to make it sound mm-hmm. weird. Like it is rape. Mm-hmm. But I was with him, so why do you say that? But I was with him. Well, that was that was who I was with. That was my guy. That was my boyfriend. That was my dude. We were married, but 
He asked me, man, you must say no. So you deserve what he did. That's because that's what I hear. Me too. No, no. That's what I hear when you say, but I was with him. Like, like guilt. He wrong for what he did, but I was also there. Like, and no, you could have been there. With the father of your son. You could have been there. You could have been drunk. You could have been on everything. You deserve to be there. That's the agreement you have. I can be there. That don't mean that because you feel the way, you get to take advantage of me. In a way that you know if I had all of my mental functioning, we would not be in this situation. You know the relationship between me and I got a whole nother dude. No, it's right. Not spouses. I mean, it's if somebody give you shit, if they give it to you on a boat, it don't make it better shit. It's still shit. Like, it, the spousal rape is a buffer to me. That's why I don't like the term. Because it tries to kind of... Minimize. Yeah, and lessen the intensity of what it means to be raped. Like, what it really means to be taken advantage of. And even inducing a sense of, like, responsibility on your part. Like, it's your fault. Think about this, spouse. And I still be getting blamed to this day. That's why I just be like... He still be blaming me. He said I cheated on him and and I did all this stuff. He says he talks about when I left my kids with my mom. He talks about that. To try to fall be me like I did something wrong. Like, but you wasn't there either. Did you go pick him up and say, hey, I'm gonna take care of my kids? You did the same thing. I talk, I called you first. So why you couldn't be there? And then blame me. At this point, I don't ask the boys to pick up the phone and talk to your son. I, I, I have my children, and I'm telling them my story, and I'm trying to give the best help that I can. But my daughter is lacking her father's attention. And you're just lacking, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say that because, you know, he has, you know, everything I say is negative. He has a heart problem. And, I just be quiet. I let it roll with me. I just have to pray. And just, you know, be quiet and let it roll with me. That's it. And eventually, it will be fixed. Mm-hmm. Because I know you, and I know, like, you got a good heart. You mean well for people. Like, you don't want to come off as a burden. Like, you don't want people to kind of know, like, some of the tougher shits. And you rather just eat that. But no, nah, when it's your turn, say your shit. Like, because, no, nah, you matter. You're a fucking person, too. Like, no, nah, you can say your shit. No, nah, it happened to me, too. This way. It wasn't probably didn't look like, no, nah, it happened to me, too. No, nah, you can say that. And that's okay. And you can say that shit make me not okay. Some days I'll be feeling like this because of that. And that's okay. Sounds like he's been consistent. 
Yeah, that's all yeah. fake. <laughs> it's all fake, right? But I mean, like you've said several times that I've asked him to show up and he did it. And I don't think it's the way he showed for her. Like I do, you know. I don't know. I know she's going through some things, and that's why I took off to him in any kind of way I can to do anything that I need to do for her. And then she's gonna go through some things, you know. Yeah. But it's. I can handle it. Like you said, just get better for me. Get better for me. And I'll be better for her. Your success and drive and change and ability to grow will help them be more successful, more driven, and to have more growth throughout their life. Like the best way to help your kids be successful is to be successful yourself. Yes. It's, it's hard trying to be successful and take care of them. Mm-hmm. At the same time when all this is going on. And plenty mamas make that choice. Me or the other. Who am I finna make this okay. investment about myself or these kids? And many of them, most of them, a lot of them I know, be like, forget me, what the kids need. They had baseball practice, ballet, recitals, they PTA, they investing. It ain't just a drop off, it ain't just a pick up, it ain't just a hey y'all, what y'all wanna eat? No, this this ain't a real invest like this take time, energy. This is exhausting. It's every day. They do. Play basketball. Then I gotta go to volleyball. And I was doing it. I was doing it with the volleyball, but when he started basketball, there was no way. There was no way and then um he was a. Uh, no, he was helping me to pick him up for a couple of days. I was going to two days I had started school because I had ended my labs. And then um, I was picking him up on my days. And then he started having games. And then they on different days. And then she got volleyball in her games. So I was like, I'm not going to miss. This is the first time she's ever did something that she, she, you know, this is like after she has cut herself and stuff like that. Like. And I want to support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be there, and he called. She called him, and so I said he lets her down every time. She called and called him. He never came to one game, and she feels some type of way because he comes to every game. So he had Avery, and that's how I know she feels that way about that too because she always gets sad every time when she tells him things. She when he because he had Avery. It was a time when I had when I turned my life around um, after I went to jail when I was dancing. He got 
when I got out, I got both of the kids, but he ended up, it was last day of school, so I just let him go to last day of school, because I had got him to Kilkenny, and then the school called me, it was like, oh, we're going to send a truancy office to your daughter, and then, because I knew he was going to try to keep him from me, and then, um, I took him to, um, for the last day of school, I ended up getting to my daughter, and he had already took my son, so I called the police. I have papers and everything. They ain't going to tell me we have joint custody. And there is nothing that they can do about it. Mm-hmm. We have joint. So, okay, the school got to look at these papers. I was down there all the time. And they tried to circle stuff. So we have copies of the papers. And it, uh, he hasn't, it says here, yeah, I have joint. He hasn't enrolled in school. You, He's given the things that I wasn't never there. So, wasn't there, but I'm there now, and he's not there. He shows up for him, because he had a thing. She feels some type of way, because she shows up for him. And I was, at first I was like, okay, everyone, you just have to get up, because it affected her one game, a whole game. It affected her. She had to get put out. I was, I was upset. Like, not put out the whole thing, but, like, put out the game because she was getting emotional. And then the coach knew, like, okay, let's go ahead and put her out. And, and then she told me after that, you know, like, she was expecting him to come. And then, but she never she never said, like, oh, it affects me because, you know, he shows up at this and that, that. You know, you know your kids. Yeah. You hurt my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you don't show I know him. that's my child, my son. It's still my son. You yeah. know that's my son. Yeah, you can show for him, but you, she needs her dad. Like she's a girl, she's a daughter, and he needs his dad too. But it's just saying, I'm just saying, I don't, I don't play that. I do not play that because I don't play that. I think my my, my grandma played that, and I seen it happen with my own eyes. That the favoritism. And I never wanted to do that. I love all my children equally. Like, I don't want to be here for this one and not be there for that one, you know? And you can't do that in a child's life. Like, you have to be there in their life. It was a lot of things that I found out, like Christianity and the Bible, when I dug deep into it because when I changed my life around, I did a fast for eight months where I didn't do anything. I just read the Bible. And... Um, one weekend I just drunk water and went up in a room for three days out of the eight months and read the Bible. And it was very loose for me, so I started from a point. And with all that stuff, all the things that God taught me is that you are not in a box. You should never want to put yourself in a box. Like, Jesus was outside the box. And God, you can't just protect God to be like just one thing. It's everything. It's everywhere. Like, and, like being a believer, people try to take Jesus out of it, but I I believe in Jesus. I believe uh, Jesus died for us. I do believe that. Now, whether 
or not you believe of the color or whatever, that is not my concern. But I know what I believe in. And I know that, you know, there's certain people that even, they wouldn't even uh, clip a toenail for me. You know, but he died for them. So I can go to God. And that's what I believe in. And like he says, I'm not believing belief is real and I stick to that. Nah, it's real. Yeah. It's legit. And I stick to it. And that's that's just what I believe in. And that's why I say now that I'm a believer because I don't put stipulations on people, you know. You are who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is me over here, this is you over there, this is you over there. Mm-hmm. You are who you are, you know, and I am who I am. I'm not gonna uh be held in the box and say, Oh, you can't do this and you and that, that's what the Christians do. I don't know, but I know, you know, because I have dug deep into my Bible and I have been to a time where I didn't believe, Yeah. you know, and I know how that is. I know how that feels to be like, oh, yeah, uh, this ain't really good. Mm-hmm. This, and, you know, but that didn't work for me. Yeah. Like you said, like, this is, this is my thing. This is my relationship with the Lord. This, I don't know, it's not, I don't know if it's everybody, but it's not for me to pressure you to believe in what I believe in. Yeah. I know what I believe in. And that's, you're you, and you're you, and you just don't my energy. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm on right now because I'm trying to be there for my kids. And like she said, knowing that I have something, I have a problem, and just changing that and being better for them. That's it. Mm-hmm. And still able to be who I am. True. You know, God made everybody different. He, yeah, he made his rules. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? His other sins is different than other sins, but he still, he bear fruit for us. He put us here to bear different fruit. And it's the lives that we got to live to bear these fruits and bless these lives and come back and praise him more. What, do we, what would we have to praise him for if everybody's life was just perfect? You forget about God. If your life perfect, you, you would, if your life perfect, you don't, what you got to ask for? It's just perfect. Even people with money still have stuff going on in their lives. Like they millionaires, they still have problems. You know, they have millionaire problems. <laughs> like everybody has tech breaking problems. Like you know, so True. It, that True. it's just what it is. You know, and that's just what I believe in. And it's, I'm not nobody's gonna change that for me. You know, trying to make me feel like, oh no, this is, this is what it is for you. You're in this box. I'm not in the box. I'm outside the box. Yeah. No, and that's what's dope, man. Like, that's what I like about religion. You know what I'm saying? The fact that, like, it does work. You know what I'm saying? Does it work for everybody? No, it's like college. Like, but it does work. Like, does it have some stuff that can be improved about it? Yes, like college. But it does work. Like, I think that the tribalism, and this is not necessarily due to religion. Religion has tribalism in it, but this is just the nature of the people. Um, Because it starts in the beginning. uh, My Manning family versus your Johnson family versus your Hamilton family. Like, tribalism. Like, we are better than you because we are Manning. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, The fact that 
religion has that kind of embedded tribalism is distasteful. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But many non-religious people can't see past that. Like, they can't see the value in religion. Like, the fact that it does work. The fact that if you call it stupid, you're talking about six billion people. Like, the majority of the world is religious. Like, they may not all believe in Christianity, but, like, the majority of the world is religious. So, no, it, 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 it holds vitality. Not only, like, does it work, but it's like a living organism for those that it works for. Like, it worked for me yesterday. It works today. Like, it's a living, breathing, constantly evolving thing for those that it works for because of it's pragmatic. Mm-hmm. Like, to the day, it's about what works. Like, we get into what's who's right. It ain't about who's right. Like, when everybody die, we'll figure it out. <laughs> we gonna figure it out. Yeah. We arguing about nothing now, though. <laughs> like, because, <laughs> because, like, I feel how I feel. You feel how you feel. Exactly. Like, right now, we ain't talking about nothing. Nothing. Like, it's over 6,000 religions. You going to hell in all of them but yours. You go to heaven and yours. You're doing the stuff that it takes to get to the heaven and yours. But you're going to heaven all the time. You're going to somebody's heaven. So just appreciate the fact that, hey, no one really knows, man. No exactly. one works for you. I appreciate, and I appreciate that, that it does work for some people. Now, I have, as a non-believer, as a non-religious person, like I have relatives who will say that what it, if not for Jesus, I would still be smoking crack. Fucking, I don't care. <laughs> like you, you ain't smoked crack in, in fifteen years. Um, I mean, it worked. But I, yeah, it's an option. I also don't want to dismiss the way in which religion is traumatizing and doesn't work for people, mm-hmm. right? And like, like, like that. And my thing with black people is that sometimes we get wrapped up in, like, this is the only way. It isn't. It is an option that might work for you. Um, but it ain't the only way. Not the only way. And I agree that we do have a, um egocentrism when it comes to our religion, our Christianity. Um, that, yeah, it is the only way. And I, like, this is my thing, like, I'm, as a person who is also like a non-believer, a non-religious person, like, I also don't value it um, like a person who is religious, mm-hmm. but I do understand it holds value. Like, my mom, my grandma, my family, like, who are, like, these are not ignorant people to me. Like, these are not lost or dumb people or, or silly or just old, because, like, no, like, these people, like, use this, like, it's a tool for them, like, don't get me wrong, you have people that's playing, and that's why I probably don't think that it works Mm -hmm. for them, but for those who, like, it works for, 
like for them to keep their mental stability, for them to still have like a personality that is culpable. Like, no, this 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 thing holds value. Even black people get all that. But um, I also think though to dismiss the fact that religion is very traumatizing for a lot of people. Yeah, and, and you're right. I don't want to dismiss that fact. I and, really don't. And that while it may wait, work for grandma and mama and daddy and grandpa and Amy's like that there are people who hate themselves. That there are ways in which like this set of beliefs and the way that we are taught to believe them have made people dismiss their children, have made people really think that they are less than being loved or worthy of love, um, and that there are traumatic experiences that a lot of people have um, because, of, because of their belief system, because of what has been placed onto them, right? And so, like, yes, it can be good, but I also think, like, Let's also not dismiss that it can be very bad. Um, and I and I and I don't even know like and even like the conversation of like like everybody's not non-religious because of something that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I happen to have the beauty (laughs) of having an experience of not growing up in the church, right? So, like, almost having this cultural experience that, like, I get it, I get a lot of stuff. Because I'm black. (laughs) Like, um, but that it is, it just was not my experience, right? Um, And so, like, why I'm a non-believer isn't because something happened. It's because I wasn't indoctrinated that way. Mm. Um... And your mom never talks about it. She's um My parents are not Christian. (laughs) Like like at all. Like no, like we were actually taught the opposite. Like question everything. Like like if you going to like I remember wanting to go to church with my aunt, um my mom really being against me. I was like twelve. Like, really, really, like, I don't want you going, right? Um, no, that was just my experience. But also, like, even as a teenager, part of why I wanted to go to church had nothing to do with church. It had everything to do with There was a whole group of boys who were at church um, that I didn't have access to at school, like, who went to different schools, that, like, the cultural aspect of it, that a lot of what people... Um, get out of religion is about fellowship and not necessarily about doctrine, right? It is a, a cultural experience. Um, that as someone who didn't grow up in the church, I can go to church and like listen to some good music and feel that shit, right? Um, but that is a cultural experience. That is even like hearing a good message. I might not like buy into the doctrine, but I get the message, which to me is more like psychological, humanistic, than it is necessarily specific, at least, and I know that this isn't true for every church, I'm just talking about my experience, right? Um, 
that like that is what I'm getting from it and trying to take from it and not necessarily the doctrine. You deserve love. You deserve to be appreciated and to be uplifted. Yeah, but it's hard to get somebody to do that to you. You, it seems like I be uplifting a whole bunch of people, but you don't never get that energy back. Cause I'm all for that type of stuff. I'm like, yes, I want to uplift people, and I want to do this, and I want to, you know, be there to be that person for them. And then it's like, no, when it's time for you to, cause you're draining, you need that energy. It's like, who's there to lift you up? And that's what I've been doing. That's why I'm talking about it and needing the help because I've been wanting to lift myself up and that's what I've been doing. And what lifts me up is doing what I need to do with my cooking mm-hmm. and everything like that. I went to MasterChef, I tried out and um, I cooked a tuna and I made a, I was in that kitchen all night. I cooked a tuna and being with the kids, it wasn't that I was in the kitchen all night. It was just that I had to do what I had to do for them. Then right to go to the store, try to find this tuna I want. Uh-huh. Couldn't never find it. I'm all at Whole Food on the other side of the town. I'm down everywhere. A so by time I pick type of tuna. Yes. People don't appreciate tuna. I love tuna. It's the tuna that you can eat raw because I want to do something raw uh-huh. because it was it it it, it was going to be it was going to be. You know, um, something that they could. I was gonna. I know I was gonna be waiting, so I didn't want to cook any food. It would be cold by then. So I knew I wanted to do something like that because I, I at River Oaks we used to do a tuna poke salad, and they used the tuna, but it was just tuna steak that I had wanted, and I could not find it. And I seen it at the store three days before that, but I was like, I'm come back and get it on Friday so it can be real fresh when I slice it, because you gotta slice it thinly. Oh, this was fresh. Garlic mayo. And then I had did like this sweet avocado puree, and with that you have to make you a, a rule of this uh, simple syrup. And how you make simple syrup is not you just use the syrup; you make simple syrup out of what sugar and water. You boil it. So what I did was put ginger in it, and then I used the avocado. You get that puree real good, and you mix it up, and it makes it like a sweet kind of like avocado with a ginger, with a touch of ginger flavor. And it goes so good with the tuna. And so I made my mayo. And how, how you make, um, I, it was a garlic mayo. That's what I did. I did a garlic mayo. And then um, I couldn't find a tuna. And so I went and I did the edible. I went to Whole Food. I found the edible flowers. And I searched everywhere for the tuna. I, I said, okay, well, in the morning I got to be there. They had called me. So they wanted me to be there at a certain, certain time. But I still had to wait. So I, I thought I was going to be there at that time. I was. I made it. But that morning, I had to try to find it. Tuna still couldn't find it. Had to just, like, go to my brain and just think real quick. Like, okay, well, let's get the, the – I went to the last one. I was like, I got to get something. I don't know. It's something kind of – I got to – do y'all have anything that sushi like that I can do that they can just eat raw? And she was like, oh, it's like some tuna cuts uh, in the freezer. And they already had the pepper and everything on. I was like, oh, my God, they was already cut. And I was like, it wasn't the tuna I wanted. 
But that was the tuna I got, and they they I had bought a Japanese. It ended up being three chefs that was um tasting for him, and uh, I ended up getting the Chinese girl. And I didn't want to get her at first, because I seen because we all had one in this room. They take a certain amount of people, and there was three of them. And I seen how they was going down the line, so I was like in the middle of the table right here. So I was like, oh, she seemed like she hard. Like I do not want to get her. You know what I'm saying? And then so I got her. I was like, oh my god, I got her. So when she had tasted my food, she she had she picked the tuna up. She she just tasted the seasoning at first. It was a Japanese seasoning, mm-hmm. and then she just asked me. She was like, "Do you cook a lot of Japanese food all the time?" I was like, "Oh well, I take international at school, so mm-hmm. you know I have cooked it before, but really not all the time. I specialize in you know French or soul food." And uh, she was like, "Oh, that tastes good," and I mm-hmm. made it to the producers. Okay. I made it, I made it to the producers, and I had to tell them my uh, my dreams of if I master chef or whatever. And I made it to the third room, and they called some numbers. Now, when they called the numbers, they was like, "Well, we can still, you know, with these numbers still, we can just still call y'all, and they'll be calling around December." But you know what I need to do yeah. for myself because it was only three minutes. And that was such a rush. I've never done nothing like that before <laughs> in my life. And this is something big. You feel what I'm saying? And then so, no, that's dope. Yeah, and then so, like, I, I had something together. So I have, I, I make my plate. We couldn't take no pictures. We couldn't have no cameras, nothing. So it's no, you know, nothing. So, you know, I have I have the stuff not even in my bottles already, but I have to make the dots on the plate because I'm making, I, you know, I, I do my presentation. So I have the dots on the plate, and then I was going to put the flowers. I even forgot the edible flowers. Went everywhere to get those edible flowers and forgot them. But it didn't even make no difference because she still liked the plate. Okay. And I was just happy even if I didn't make it that I went through something like that. And then and that I made it to where she liked it enough because it was people walking out that door. They only chose six. Yeah. Six of us. So I made it to where somebody that I don't know from around the world, she from somewhere else, liked my food. Yeah, that's wonderful. What a beautiful thing. And that's what just keeps me going in this. Like, I have to cook. I have to cook something, so that's what I was like. That's yeah, dope. if you want me to cook you, yeah, I cook you. Like I love cooking. That's what I do. You know, it's like you love picking my brain and people's brain, and <laughs> you doing what you're doing. You do a good job of it. Hey, I share my gift with you. You know, and it's just like you shared your gift with me. You know, you didn't have to. You know, take me talking. No, I didn't. You time. completely <laughs> been the one who was shared with us. And and giving me great great advice on great advice that I can use in my life and my child and you know that's something amazing. So yeah, I wouldn't mind going to the store shopping with you. You know I've done it, and that's how I feel like I heal people. Like with my mom and my my grandfather before they passed away, I was cooking for them, and then when other people, just, I'm gonna create something. I think that it's a beautiful thing to find your passion, to understand your passion, and to uh, invest in it. Like, like you're sincere. Like, you're not bullshitting. <laughs> like, like, it is, um, it permeates the room. That's beautiful. Um, that you've invested in yourself in that way. That you have grown. That you are nurturing your purpose. Like that's a beautiful thing. A lot of people don't get to that. Mm-hmm. And to say that like like completely selflessly. Like that's how we know it's genuine, right? Like that like 
I just want to do this. Because it makes me feel good to do this for other people. Mm-hmm. Not because I want praise. I want you to be thankful. No, because like I, I just I get value out of doing this. Like this is the way that I show love. This is the way that I mm-hmm. show care. Like that's a beautiful thing. I, I am shit. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> really, for real. Thank you. It's also affirming um, to have success. In something that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, six people out of a room with a hundred people, like no way, out of thousands. Yeah. Exactly. It was it, man. It was way more than a hundred people in their room, and it was like we was all doing stuff together. And for them to walk out, and then they look at you and they call your number. It's amazing. Like oh my god, they want me. Like oh my god, the and hardest like, person. But okay, I think that um, this would probably be a good place to stop. Um. You tell people um, where they can find you. Yes. Okay. So you can find me at Chef Naisha N I E S H A on Instagram, and um, you can also email me for your you know luxury food services, private chef events, parties um, at in Kibble K I B B L E nine two eight at C I A M L dot com. Um, and that's how you can get in touch with me. I do luxury food and I'm open for any services. I can do whatever you need me to do. Mm-hmm. And we just really want to encourage y'all to support this beautiful black woman and her business and, um, and her success. And so hopefully, um, we will, you just continue to grow and to do dope things. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate y'all taking the time. I really feel so much better just telling my story, getting it off my chest. And, you know, just don't be afraid to tell your story. Everybody is going through mm-hmm. what you think that you're going through alone. And uh, just just don't be afraid to sh- be vulnerable to that. And I've, I, I've opened up some layers, and I know there's more layers to peel back on me, but I have opened up layers of me that I hope, help somebody out there that has kids going through this and is trying to change their life around at the same time. So really appreciate you guys. Thank you. My favorite proverb, African proverb, um, history will always glorify the hunter until the lion learns to write. Um, it, 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 it turns on its head what we consider to be important. Um, was the hunter story of triumph over the jungle important or did the lion exist too? Mm. Like was his family and pride, was that also as important? And until the lion is able to like tell his side of the story, you know what I'm saying? We'll always over appreciate the hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's important. It's imperative that now I'm talking black people, it's important and imperative that we, a group of people who have not only um, not been able to tell our story, but those few um, of us who have had the privilege to tell our story, they have been tweaked Mm -hmm. and modified and they're not our authentic story. And we feel it, whether we read it in book or cinema or like we can see that this is not the this is not the truth. Like how um 
you was talking about you know, you seen the strip club show too and it was like, no, nah, it's not going down like that. Like it's a facade. They're not telling like the authentic yeah. truth, like the ugly parts of it. Like um, it's almost doing a disservice to glamorize it. Mm-hmm. One of my reasons I didn't like sixteen and pregnant, but I ain't gonna go exactly. down that, you know, road. Um, but yeah, it's important for us to tell our story um, again because we have not had the space in society to tell it as raw, as unedited. As we would like to. Yes. Thank y'all for providing that type of platform to, you know. Um, um so we just want to say, go to therapy. Go to therapy. Everybody needs therapy. All of us. Um, we love y'all. I love you. Love you. Thank love you for coming. Love you. <laughs> you even you made it. <laughs> like you're living in your purpose, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, for real. I, I know this boy when he was in college. He was a young book. He was wild and not so. I just really appreciate him being the man that he is going to be. <laughs> Came a long way. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's beautiful. Um, I love you. Love you too. All right, and then we'll see y'all next episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you.